Hey, welcome everyone to I So Appreciate You, an honest, raw, and sometimes funny podcast about work, community, life, and all the other stuff we juggle. Hi, I'm Pohua. And I'm Nadej, and we're colleagues at the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. In addition to that, we're friends. And so when we talk, our conversations can run the gamut. We can start talking about board meetings and governance procedures. We can get into mother-daughter dynamics, and then we can be like, where are we going to dinner tonight? I prefer that conversation. And so we thought that maybe some of you would like to join us in conversation. So here we are with I So Appreciate You. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited about this episode where we're going to talk about how we can better cultivate talent. We'll be joined by executive coach and author Meredith Lee Moore and rising leader Brandon Williams. Nadej, are you excited about this topic? I mean, obviously, cultivating (laughs) talent is super, super important, but... I'd actually like to take us back a little bit because when we talk about cultivating talent, we're already in that like career pipeline sort of thing. Right. But before the career pipeline, Mm -hmm. we had those first jobs, right? Like we had that that first entry where you got the paycheck and you were so excited about the $37 that you made or or however much it was. I feel like my first paycheck was tiny. So what was your first job? My first job was a youth crew leader for Twin Cities Tree Trust, where I worked at parks and I put down mulch and I build park benches. And I think I made $3.75 an hour. (laughs) Okay, that job sounds like super productive and good for community. It was fun though. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. My job was super different. I worked at Warehouse of Fashions. It's a discount fashion store. If you know Nadege, this does not surprise me at all. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it was it was a really great job. But the thing I remember the most about this job is, I mean, we actually had to take a test. You had to memorize all the category codes. I think there were like 50 of them for all of the items of clothing so that you could tell if somebody had tried to like swap the like price ticket on an item. Wow. And I bet you did memorize everything. I mean, I did. I'm still pretty sure 50-1 was uh, women's related separates. Okay. Well, I, I don't know that I, I've had a crazier job than that. <laughs> I did work for a Y2K solution, but that which turned out not to be a big deal after all. But that probably is as crazy as it's going to get. But the reason why we're talking about this topic is I think I brought it. I can't remember who brought it to whom, but I think we were talking about How do we get started in our careers? How does one get started? And then even if you're in your career now, how do you reinvent yourself? And I think the cultivating talent or how how do we better cultivate talent started with some of the conversations I've been having with young people where they show me a job description and they say, hey... I really think I could be good for this job, but here in the requirements, it says they need three to five years of experience. Yep, the, the and magical like, years of experience. Yeah. And how do we ever get it if no one ever, you know, creates an opportunity where we can learn yeah. in order to get those three to five years? You know, there are so many stories about how people do this individually, but I would love you to share yeah. how we did it as, as the foundation. I mean, I think philanthropy has been talking about this for ages, right? It's tough to get in. And once people get in, they don't leave. So how do you get that sort of entry experience to build the skills and the knowledge to be in this space? And I mean, you you kind of had an inspiration and we ran with it. Well, I mean, it was also based on what I knew or, or the stories that were told around philanthropy that people never leave. Yes. So once you get in and you work for a foundation, you work in philanthropy, people never leave. They're there for 20 plus years. These jobs never open up. And I thought as I got into the foundation, you know, within the year, 
within the month, I learned that one of our program officer was going to retire. And I thought, this is it, right? This was an opportunity to rethink that role instead of just creating, you know, uh, a job description for the position that was left empty by her departure. How do we actually think differently about it? Like crazy different. Yeah. So we decided to split that position into two, give it a new title, uh, relationship managers. And we, by design, said, you don't have to have any experience. I remember because was it 400 plus people applied for that Yes. Job? And the, the other thing, which I think makes it unique, especially in philanthropy, is no experience. We were going to train you. And it wasn't just my department was going to train you, but we had the full commitment across the foundation that they were potentially going to rotate around the foundation so that when they left, and here's the kicker, it had a time limit. This position was going to be for six years. And after that time, we were going to help them find their next job. But we were going to then open up these two roles again for two new people to learn. And in fact, we called them a learning cohort of two. I really, I, I really love that because in a way, that's us institutionalizing what happens when you talk to people who have been successful in their careers, who are on the path that they want to be on. That's fundamentally what happens. Somebody picked them up. That's right. They opened up a space. That's right. And then they sort of help them like walk down that lane. And that's why I'm super excited about our conversation today with our two guests, because we're kind of seeing it from both perspectives. Right. Right. On one hand, we have Brandon Williams. He's there. He's in it. He is literally driving the car down the lane right now. And then we've got, you know, Meredith Moore, who, I mean, she's written a book that's, yeah. you know, in this space. She's an executive coach and she's done this herself. Done, seen it, maybe done, seen it all. I don't know. But she's really <laughs> good at her job at advising seasoned leaders seasoned, yeah. on how do they pivot. But I think that her advice would be just as well received by Brandon as an executive. So really excited about the conversation we're about to have with them yeah. after, after this the break. break. All right. Are you looking to make a larger impact on the causes you care about? Not everyone realizes that cash isn't the only way to give. There are many advantages to donating other assets such as real estate, stock, or even farm equipment. Want to learn more? Call 651-224-5463 or email the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation's gift planning team at philanthropy at spmcf.org. Welcome back. Today we are joined by two guests, Meredith Lee Moore and Brandon Williams. Meredith, Brandon. Hi. 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 Hey. All right. So before we dive in, we always start with three quick questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to start with you, Meredith. I'm going to move to Brandon. Same question. Meredith, cats or dogs? Oh, <laughs> I guess dogs. Okay. Brandon. Dogs. Dogs. Oh, that was like, <laughs> okay. you're on it. Well, <laughs> well, he heard it second. You know, yeah, like right. he, he was able he to had study a, a little bit. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to now stick with Brandon. Brandon, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Meredith? Chocolate. Okay. All right. Meredith? Wait, wait, wait. What? This is the controversial one. <laughs> yeah. We, we thought long and hard and we're like, ooh, what are you guys going to do? Okay. Meredith. Duck, duck. Okay. Brandon, duck, duck. Goose. Okay. That was the right answer. It is right the right answer. answer. That was the yeah. right We're not saying gray yeah. dog. No. no. Not I've never no said gray dog. No. Did, never heard of that until I got <laughs> here in Minnesota. Very, very controversial. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, no controversy here. We all agree. Thank goodness. 
you have fantastic bios and live full and complete lives. So I'm about to do like four bullet points. It's so, too long. So real it. talk, like you are far more than what I'm about to say. But Brandon is sitting here with us and he's a political science alum from Augsburg University, if I could speak. Um, he's an intern uh, at the Minnesota Department of Commerce. You enjoy basketball. Are you good? Or are you just like a, a viewer? Like in- yeah, I'm better than average. Let's okay. go there. All right. Let's, let's I like start it. There. He's I also like humble. It. So, yes. you know. Um, and now works as at the Minneapolis Foundation as a criminal justice and safe communities fellow. And Meredith was once a top 30 young leaders by Ebony Magazine, 40 under 40 from the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal. Uh, you are the author of Getting Unstuck, a guide to moving your career forward, which makes you a totally appropriate guest for today's conversation. Absolutely. And now the president of Leverett Weeks, a leadership and development uh, communications company. Welcome to both of you. Yeah, thank you for thank joining you. us. Thanks for having us. All right, I'm gonna, I think I have the first question. I'm gonna get us going into our conversation. I'm gonna start with, with you, Meredith, and then I'm gonna move to Brandon. There are countless leadership programs. Everywhere I turn, there's a new leadership program. But what do people really need? It's so interesting because there are, I feel like, not only a lot of leadership programs, but what there aren't a lot are two things. One, leadership programs that are led by people who are living in the margins and Mm. who can identify with the folks that we see the greatest gaps in leadership. And two, leadership programs that really address the causes of imposter syndrome so that allow people to, you know, gain their confidence and really understand and build new skills. Absolutely. That rings true to me. Brandon, you've been a part of leadership programs. What, Mm -hmm. What have you got out of them and what do people really need now that you're a working man? Yeah, I think the most amazing thing to me is seeing innovation within the leadership space. So I've been a part of Capital Pathways, which Pahua know very well. And I think for that, I mean, I think leadership is a calling sometimes. Mm -hmm. And with Capital Pathways, there were so many people that were saying, you should do this. You're you're great at speaking. You're great at representation. You, You have this niche for understanding, you know, complex systems and you should do it. And they actually encouraged me to apply. I would have never applied. Um, and from there, I was at the Department of Commerce. Then I went from there. I mean, I've interned at Dorsey and Whitney. I've been in so many places. And, and finally getting to where I was, it was about having people really push me, you mm-hmm. know, saying, hey, um, although you may not see yourself in this role, you should try it. Give it a try. We're not going to sell it until you do it. So for me, it's this, it's this aspect of being called to do something more than yourself. So what I'm hearing from you is not just about the leadership program, but, but it's actually having those people sponsor you and say, hey, I think mm-hmm. this will be great for you is what I'm hearing. Exactly. Meredith, does that ring true in your experience that a sponsor can be pivotal in somebody's leadership path? Yeah, I mean, when I think about even my career, I wouldn't have been able to make the shift. It's one thing for you to identify, here's what I want to do. It's another thing to speak to the people who are in a position to help you do those things. And to speak on your behalf about a skill that maybe you haven't demonstrated yet or an experience you haven't had yet. And to say, not only do I believe she can do it, but I'm going to personally commit to helping her close any gaps Mm -hmm. that she needs to be successful I think it's it's almost impossible to really have a career trajectory that you want if you don't have access to somebody who can open the doors that you can't open just on being good and showing up and being on time. Yeah. And let's talk about that opening doors piece or like setting yourself on that path. Because the number one question that I get from, let's say, emerging leaders, younger leaders like you, Brandon, like, 
you take a look at a job description and it says it requires three to five years of experience. And you're like, how am I ever going to get those three to five years if I can't even get through the door, right? Get that, get that first interview or get that experience to accumulate to get those three to five years. What advice do you, Meredith and Brandon, have when you encounter that? Maybe you've even encountered it yourself. Like, what does one do? I can take this one uh, to start off. I think for me, a big thing that I've learned uh, from uh, someone I look up to a lot, T.D. Jakes, he said that leadership is about information, insulation, and inspiration. And for me, the biggest piece of that has been around this informing part mm. where these mentors around me, you know, I look at it, it says you need about three to five years of experience. And I go, well, I just graduated college. How could I possibly have that? That's what I'm saying. Right. But yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've interned, you know, so Meredith, your father, Cornell Moore, right? He was one <laughs> of the biggest mentors for me where I would walk into a space and he said, you know, Brandon, just you know, be yourself, be who you are. Yeah. Or someone having someone like Shonda on my team who say, well, you're new to this space, just be who you are and let mm-hmm. people see that for what it is. Yeah. Um, and also don't downplay who you are and what you've seen. So, you know, I've worked at Pace Analytical. I've interned there my freshman year of high school. Uh, just having these different experiences, I don't see that for myself, but seeing having other people see that for me, it works wonders. So just trusting in the people around you. So that's you. the information part. Yes, that's the information okay. part where you where you trust in people to be around you. And then once you step into that, insulation is that next step to have people yeah. say, well, you're going to learn. I'm going to be here while you learn. I'll protect you from more so protection, but a lot I'm, of it I'm is I'm going to start using that term. Yeah. Right. I'm going to insulate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So insulation is the biggest piece, and obviously inspiration is being willing to empower you. So after moving forward from that, you see yourself in these positions, you see yourself taking charge, um, and really moving forward from from this ability or this this mindset of safety to acknowledgement and being, you know, feisty in different situations that you need to be. I love that. Thank you, Brandon. Meredith, yeah, anything you. to add there? Yeah, I think it's two things I would add, and Brandon hit on one of them, which is really seeing the fullness of your experience and not discounting if you've served in the community. Maybe it was a volunteer role. I know when I was between college and my first job, I went back to being a camp counselor, but that's a leadership role, right? That's Right, absolutely. So I think being able to position all that you've done, one of the things we used to say at McDonald's was like the people who would really be able to sell that experience and be like, I managed a million dollar P&L as opposed to just being like, I was on fries. So you learning, (laughs) (laughs) right. You learning how to position your experience in a way that it aligns with what you want to do next. And then for me personally, you know, I am notorious, you know, Brandon, my dad gives other people such like nice and gracious advice. His advice to me is not so nice. (laughs) So like I, when I decided I wanted to make a career pivot from, a real job in finance to going back to being an intern because I wanted to shift into PR and it was $15 an hour. He was like, good luck. You can't keep <laughs> starting over at the bottom. But I think if you really believe and you're, you're doing something that you're passionate about, really looking at if I don't have that three to five years of experience, yeah. you know, where else in the organization can I start? Because this is an organization where I want to continue. Meredith, can I pull on that thread a little bit? You know, what you said is kind of starting back at the beginning on a, in a new lane. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people are afraid to do that because you send that resume and they look at it and they go, well, why would you want this job? You, you have, you know, seven years of experience doing X and you've never done, you know, public relations or whatever it is you want to switch to. How do you sort of kick that door open and help people really understand, no, no, I'm here and I'm starting again 
kind of at the beginning because I want to be here. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be really clear about what value you add and and where you're trying to go and how that's going to support the organization. Like when I took that internship in PR, I definitely got the same thing. And my whole like business case for them was that I had this background in finance, but I knew I was missing this piece in agency work. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to get that. And I knew that what I knew in finance would be a value, but I knew that's not what they wanted to compensate somebody for yet. And so I think really being able to position to whoever the employer is, the value of you learning and what you can provide to them, even while you're learning a new skill. What about you, Brandon? You're, You're at the Minneapolis Foundation now. You've certainly held other roles before. Talk about how do you plan on, for example, laddering up? Like, are you thinking about that right now? I think that's a big thing for me, uh, especially with having my trajectory. Like, I had my goals planned out after graduating uh, college. I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to be this lawyer. Um, I wanted to do criminal defense work. Um, And after that, I had a big, you know, kind of pivot, this big pivot for me where it was like, okay, law school isn't that option right now. You need to work. I applied, ended up not getting in. I realized that I needed to take more time to be serious about that study for the LSAT. And during that time, I worked for the city attorney. And that was just experiencing that there's so many ways to change and impact the system than what I originally had planned. And it, it was such a learning curve in this process, you know, once you have that like cognitive dissonance moment moment where you're like, oh, wow, this is, I I always thought it was, you know, kind of linear where I'm going to do this work, but there's so many ways to impact the community. There's so many ways to represent the community and be involved in the legal space. And even now with the work that I do at the foundation, a lot of that is around community building, criminal justice reform, say for communities, working with lawyers, judges, uh, to what I think is a much bigger scale than what I could have done at, at that moment in a legal, yeah. in a legal yeah. field. So right. gaining that experience and doing that work, I see pivots as if you have a goal, what do you see that's valuable from that goal? What's one of those values that you have? And what are other ways you can do that if you don't get exactly what you want? And yeah. it's okay to learn. It's okay to be patient. I mean, I was 21 at the time. It's okay to not get exactly what you want, but trusting the people around you to move along those levels. And I think when you talk about next steps, so moving up from my role right now as a fellow to maybe I'm an associate to maybe a director of community safety work, I see that it is trusting the people around me and learning. A lot of it is learning and moving forward from that learning space to more of a, I have this under control. I feel safe. I feel insulated. Let's coin that term, (laughs) right? I feel insulated, but now it's time to be inspirational and move forward from that. I love that. So if you're listening, listeners, and you're feeling frustrated, it's not a straight line. And sometimes what you want and what you had been planning for sometimes takes a left or a right turn and be open to it. Right. Sometimes it doubles back. Sometimes it comes back. And, you know, you get to where you're going. You know, I'm hearing something from both of your conversations that I'm, I'm finding really fascinating is that you're really both talking about owning your own narrative. And in some ways, you're lifting up that sometimes other people help you see it. But then once you see it, you really have to own it and you get to tell your story. Mm. And I'd love to hear, you know, Meredith, I'll, I'll start with you. I'd love to hear, you know, once once you sort of hit that moment where you're like, this is me and this is what I'm doing. How did you share that with the world? First, how did you know? And then how did you share it? Oh, yeah. It? Okay, fine. I mean, how take did you it back. know it? <laughs> You know, I had the the privilege of supporting Don Thompson at McDonald's when he was first the U.S. chief operating officer and then became the first and the highest ranking African-American officer when he became president of the U.S. business. At the time, I was just in management communications, which still in communications, executive communications is a unique space. 
but I didn't really know that. I just knew I had this job and, you know, I was working at McDonald's. I didn't really get it. And it was thanks to a lot of the operators and other folks that would tell me, this is really unique to be a speechwriter, to be working for this person and the influence that you have. And once I started to pay attention and like notice that I was being invited into these rooms, I started to be able to position that value of, you know, I was a millennial. I was all of these things. I was a black woman. I was from Minnesota. I had all of these points of difference that I didn't recognize as strengths. But then I started to realize not only was it a strength for me, but when I was in the room with people, I was able to help them see their points of difference as strengths. Mm. And as a communicator, I started to understand the value of articulating that to people, not only to build trust, but also to just separate, like, this is why I'm valuable. And I think once I started to realize that and own my own story and see how me sharing that helped other people feel comfortable to share what was unique for them, then it was kind of like, you're not really going to get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Brandon, do you feel like you're at the point where you're sort of owning your story and sort of shouting it out to the world? I'm not. And, okay. and I think that that's okay. It, it has taken yeah. me a long time to get there where I realized that life is a journey and, and where I'm at kind of starting this position. I mean, I'm in a philanthropic space, but wanting to be in the legal world or wanting to be in a politics, wanting to run for mayor or governor at some point. Oh, listen here. We right. heard it here first. All right. <laughs> Every time I say it, somebody hold me to it, but <laughs> I'll say it just because uh, there's so much power in that, but there's, there's certain pieces along the way that reassures me that you're on the right path, you yeah. know, and, and part of that is just the connections and networks, but it's also a part of this, this vocation that I feel where when I'm in spaces and I have opportunities to grow and develop, a lot of things align with themselves, right? So when I started in, in a philanthropic space, I'll give a quick example, right? Shonda was my boss. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know what she was known for, but in the community, so many people respected her. I mean, having mm-hmm. conversations, bringing up her name, so many people would say, you know, to have that leader, you have so much potential to see her invest in you, to see her create a position for you, you're very blessed. And then from that, I heard that there was another position that was established at the St. Paul of Minnesota Foundation that was kind of linear to that. And I was thinking, who is this person? And then and then I heard Pahua was there and Eric Jolly was the president <laughs> who I knew from Augsburg. Right. right. There were just so many pieces um, of me working from being student body president and getting to meet Eric Jolly, who we had I had a few meetings with and talk with him and just having these people inspire me. A lot of that is just realizing I'm in the right place. It might be the wrong time, but I I trust in the people that I'm in the right place and that this will all come together from that. So in terms of where I want to be, where I feel comfortable and I'm I'm building this reputation for myself, I feel like I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. And I'm okay with that. You're writing your story. You're writing it in real time. Right. Yeah. That's powerful. And I want to, I want to have a a follow up for Brandon, just Mm -hmm. real quick here. You obviously, there's a culture there at the Minneapolis Foundation. You're an amazing boss in Chanda. What are you getting there that is allowing you to grow in the way that you you have? And what could others, especially those listening, maybe hiring managers right now who are listening to the show, what should they know? How should they think differently about the environment they're creating? That's a great question. I think for me, it's environment. And I keep going back to these three eyes that I talk about, but insulation is that most powerful thing for me because being someone that's younger, there's almost like I get, there's this feeling that I get to go down two avenues, right? There's a fear avenue where I just feel fearful for everything and I, that'll like dictate who I am and what decisions I make and establish this person that I am. Um, and then there's also the learning process where it's okay, you know, I failed, 
I've grown from that. I didn't respond to an email within three hours or there's this organization that wants money from us and they've wanted it for so long and I got to realize how to build that network and learn from it. Um, but being at the foundation, they really, they really encouraged me to learn for myself, right? Mm. Not to say, hey, figure out these things and if they don't fit that, then say no automatically. It's more so have conversations. It's cultivating this idea of relationship building. And in philanthropy space, it's really difficult because you have these big names um, and you deal with people from foundations that have known each other for so long and I'm so young where for me it's just I take everything for what it is and what I see yeah. but what I love in RT who, who's our president and Shonda and even my my boss um, who's our director of collective giving for for me it's just it's just really big to realize how they give me a platform and say yeah. you know what you're young you're new to this space so take those fresh eyes yeah. take that leadership mindset you have that you're known for I'm gonna really do something with that love that right and Thank Meredith you. it really sounds like you had kind of that similar experience that there was that space and folks told you that you know you had this opportunity that helped you see it my first shot at a career was you know an experience of learning that you can be good at something and hate it uh-huh. and just yes. like in, in an environment that you know I was good in finance it was a very competitive role uh, it's a very competitive industry and I was good at it but I was when people say soul crushing, I'm like, I know what that is. <laughs> and I think there's a benefit though, right? In having that experience earlier in life, because I remember having this experience going to my HR person, Yvonne Yancey, we're still connected to this day. And she said, Mayor, to talented people push back. Ooh. And for me early in my career, having somebody I respected tell me it's not your job to just suck it up and be unhappy. You're going to spend 90,000 hours of your life at work. Like if, if you don't like it here, have the confidence in yourself to do something different. And so I'm very grateful that my first experience, like I had this vision that I was going to have a job in public service or somewhere where I was going to start and end there. I just had this vision. I was going to have one employer for my whole life. And in reality, I've grown by shifting and being in different industries, working with different cultures and environments. And so I'm very grateful that that the first job didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And clearly that's made you a really effective executive coach, given all of those experiences. Okay, well, we could be sitting here talking all night. We're at the end of our time. And so I want to give the two of you, Meredith and Brandon, the last word. So what advice, what things do you want our listeners to know, given the topic of the conversation today about how we can better cultivate talent? Brandon, I'm going to start with you. For me, um, number one, I've been, I'm very appreciative of this time. Um, I, I think, Pahua, you're here, a hero to me for what you've done. I and, did not and, tell him to say no, that. No, you did. You did. But when I brag to people, it, it makes sense. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is just trust. Yeah. Trust is such a difficult thing when you're entering a new space. And even what I heard Meredith talk about is that when you're making this pivot, sometimes you may feel like you, you don't belong or that it's not the right space. Or you may hear advice that's saying, no, stick to what you know, stick to what you, what we know that you're good at. But I think in that process, it's really trusting in the people around you. And there's obvious times where, you know, your own experiences take over that trust and your own experiences kind of guide your way. Um, but for me, a big piece of that is, is trusting that pieces will would fall into this puzzle that I don't know how to put together. And a lot of people that's kind of helping me figure out how to put together this puzzle of my career path and my career goal and what I should do, it's in the sense of, of respect, but it's also in the sense of admiration for what they do and understanding that leadership is tough. Nobody wants to be the leader. Everybody admire the leader and, and wonder how do they do it. Um, but in, in my space and with the things I've seen, a lot of that is 
truly trusting in what they're doing and that if I'm meant to be there, if it's my calling to be there, I'll get there at a time. But right now, just taking in and soaking up everything I can. Well, thank you, Brandon. Know that you're my hero too. (laughs) Meredith, last word from you. Yeah, I just hope everybody listening knows that you are worth your time. Like if you have an opportunity to learn and to frame up life, it's just a chance each day to get up and develop a new skill, to see something, a new way, to meet a new person, to see a challenge as a new opportunity. It's worth your time to gain that experience. And don't rush yourself. Just be present with where you are at this point in your career and know that whatever it is you want to do, there's space for you to do it. You need to take the time to define what is that path and what do you want. An amazing last word. Thank you guys oh. so much. Thank you both for your yeah. time today. Thank it's you been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, Brandon. You. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you. Wow. There was so much in there. I, I couldn't saw fast you. writing it. I couldn't, I couldn't write fast enough. I know. And I think we were writing the same things down. So I think, how about we just each say like one thing that stuck with us? All right. What's yours? For me, it was the information, insulation, and inspiration. The three eyes. The three eyes. It makes me think of a butterfly. Really? Yeah, the cocoon, the the whole, the metamorphosis. I loved it. I see it. Okay, for me, when Meredith said, talented people push back, I'm like, oh. I I was snapping. I was like, like, you couldn't hear it, you couldn't see it. Yes, yes, yes. Gonna do more of that, folks. Talented people push back. Right. And talented people we had today. We are so lucky to have had Meredith and Brandon on our show today. Yeah. What an awesome conversation we had. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You. You can find us on Facebook at I So Appreciate You Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at So Appreciate You. We'd also appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. And if you like our show, be sure to follow I So Appreciate You on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Have a question or a topic suggestion? Email us at podcast at spmcf.org. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You.